Welcome back to School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, uh, joined this week uh, once again by an RBM contributor, Pat Marabo. How, Pat, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Gino. Thanks for having me, as always. Of course, of course. Yeah, and, and to you guys out there, before we get started, just want to apologize for last week. We had some kind of difficulties and uh, you know, kind of an emergency situation uh, in terms of the podcast, so couldn't get one done last week. We will have some things that were supposed to air on last week's podcast, some Everton news that we talked about um, coming up in the middle of this podcast. But before we get to that, we do have to talk about the Man City game. We did not get to preview it, but I guess unfortunately for us, we'll get to review it. Um, <laughs> it wasn't really – I don't know if you can really consider it much of a game, Pat. Um, Everton lose 3 nothing. Raheem Sterling, Sterling scores in the 44th minute. Rodri scores in the 55th on an absolute stunner, and Bernardo Silva finishes it off in the 86th minute. Um, yes, it only yes it took to the 44th minute for Man City to score, but they honestly could have scored 10 in the first half if they <laughs> wanted to. Um, they didn't start really all of their players. Their lineup consisted of their typical back line, but um, you know, they started Palmer up front. Sterling, who doesn't typically start, started. Um, so there was a couple players who, who um, got a breather. Everton, on the other hand, Richarlison up top, Townsend right behind him with Gray, uh, Gray and Gordon on the wings, Fabian Delph, Allen in the middle, Luca Dean, Michael Keane, Ben Godfrey, Seamus Coleman, Jordan Pickford to finish the lineup off. Everything basically exactly the same as they did uh, in the previous match. But, Pat, we'll talk about the game as a whole because it really was one game. You know, it wasn't a tale of two halves. It was the same thing all the way through. Um, It was amazing that Everton held them to just three goals. Um, Your thoughts on on this performance and and whether there was anything that could have been done against Man City uh, last weekend. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think the only positive was that we only let in three goals. It, it definitely could have been much, much more. Mm-hmm. It, it really reminded me of the 4 nothing loss to Manchester United. Uh, I believe this was the last preseason game leading into this season. It, it, was just, it was just a mess, to say the least. Really no cohesion or any sense of creativity the entire match. Uh, I believe the possession stats, I think Everton finished with around 20 or so percent possession, which is. Yep. Yeah. 22%. Yeah. That's, that's pretty bad. I mean, going into it, you're always going to be hopeful uh, for a result against a team like Manchester city. And there's a lot of nerves setting into the match, but once, you know, all is said and done, it's, it's Manchester city and they've been playing very well this season. So I wish I could say I'm I was more hopeful heading into the match and oh it's it's such a such an easy excuse to say oh but it's Manchester City yeah. but unfortunately I mean that's that's really the only the only thing to say it is Manchester City and unfortunately Everton along with other teams just just haven't been able to figure it out against them yet and and listen I mean um you know, I would say, you know, I think we lost 5-1 or 5 nothing to City at the end of the season yeah. um, this past year. 
that game probably showed a little bit more fight from Everton, but at the same time, um, you know, listen, this is not an easy game to be playing down already. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Yerry Mina, um, it, and and um, uh, Abdullah Decore. Um, it, it wasn't going to be easy in the beginning of that. It wasn't going to be easy, you know, even with those guys. So um, it was even more difficult having a, a very limited lineup and I'm sure Rafa really didn't have much he could do. And then, of course, Damari Gray goes down. And, you know, the game was already a difficult game where we were not gaining a lot of possession and not able to get the ball around. But, um, you know, once he goes down, really he had a couple good attacks. And, and after that, we really didn't have much. Um, was there anything really that could have been done on Everton's perspective, on any of these goals, I mean, Rodri's goal was an absolute rocket. I mean, there's literally nothing you can do about something like that. Um, but what about Bernardo Silva and, and Sterling's goal? Is there anything that could have been done? Or was this just sort of a game that Everton really had no chance in and, and it showed every step of the way? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, if, if Rodri's and Sterling's goals aren't on the top 10 goals of the Premier League season – yeah, YouTube recap on this season. I, I'd be very surprised, let alone the top ten Man City goals this season. I mean, they were that Sterling goal. I I, I feel like I, I couldn't help but just laugh, and I feel like all Evertonians feel the same. It, it was just one of those goals which are just impossible to defend. It was an absolutely perfect ball in to Sterling there, and I mean the Rodri goal. What are you going to do there? It, it, it's just it's just Man City being Man City. Uh, really not too much we could have done on those two goals. I mean, the last goal, I feel like Michael Keane could have done a little better, but at that point, I mean, it, it was pretty much, you know, closed case, not the best defending for the third goal, but those yeah. first two, I mean, you really can't, you can't really fault anyone for those. I mean, they were just spectacular goals and I can't really say we could have done too much to uh, defend those, but all in all, I mean, Gray going down didn't help, and you know we just, yeah, we just we just didn't really, you know, provide too much too much creativity. Like I said, firepower, anything like that. It was mostly just two great goals by City, and at that point, Everton were already you know pretty knackered and behind. So I don't think there's much we could have done on that day. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm watching the goals again right now, and. Um, Obviously, the, the Sterling goal is just unbelievable skill by Cancelo to just put that ball in with the outside of his right foot from the left side of the field. Um, <laughs> just an unbelievable pass there, and just Sterling timed his run so perfectly. It, it wasn't – I mean, there, there, I don't know if there's maybe, maybe Chelsea, maybe Liverpool, but probably not Liverpool because Liverpool's defense really hasn't been that great either. Yeah. Um, that's going to stop that goal. And, and really for Sterling to put that ball in the back of the net on the half volley like that, it was a skip pass that was coming across his body and just managed to just let it bounce and get a foot on it and find the, 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 the right hand of the right hand side of the net. I mean, that is just, it was just skill all around. And then of course, as you said, Rodri's goal was, um, was, was, was very similar. Um, but you know, it's like you said, there's, this game was, I think Everton 
Um, Everton had 69% pass accuracy. They only completed 247 passes to Man City's 861. You know, the stats tell the story. This is one of the games where the stats do tell a story, and the score, and the score probably doesn't do it justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and watching the Bernardo Silva goal, even that was a difficult one just because there was a deflection. The ball makes an awkward bounce, and all of a sudden Bernardo Silva is in on net. Um, but it's it was a tough game all around. Was there anybody really that stood out to you in this match as as a player who – maybe performed well, or was this kind of an all-around poor effort from everybody on the team? Oh, that's tough. Um, I want to say Seamus Coleman play, played okay. I mean, I, I, I feel like Seamus is always and has been a pretty consistent player for us. And sure, he's he's been slowing down the past few seasons and has gotten you know some of that criticism, but I, I I feel like other than him, I can't really pick anyone too much. Honestly, after the first two goals, I kind of zoned out a bit. But yeah. I'm sure without Pickford in net, we probably could have let in a few more. I don't remember any – there was any, like, no, massive he, saves by him. He had some big ones. Um, he yeah. came up and, and probably saved, I think, two or three goals. So I, I, I would probably agree with Pickford. That would yeah. probably be my guy. Seamus did have to deal with Foden and um, Cancelo on that side. and. Yeah, I was only well, only I think he only had one assist, or maybe had two. But um, the one assist that I remember came from the middle of the field. So Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like it's not like Seamus could have done anything like that. But uh, anything on that. But yeah, I would say it's probably Pickford. You know, despite giving up three goals, they weren't terrible goals to give up. Yeah. um, you know, it's not, you know, he did all he could to, to keep this game at 3 nothing. I think. Um, yeah. And, you know, he keeps, you know, Richardson gets a yellow, didn't really touch the ball at all. Um, mm. Same really with Townsend, Gray, Awobi came in for Gray, and uh, Gordon. Um, you know, the two middle guys clearly did not do a good job because uh, they were dominated in the midfield. Um, and then, of course, the defense – I mean, they did the best job they could, but <laughs> they were sitting back 10 men behind the ball for the entire game. So um, it was definitely tough. The biggest part is Damari Gray going down injured. Um, it looked bad. Word is now that he was training. I mean, how big of an injury would it be if Damari Gray is out for a significant period of time? I mean, it would definitely be massive. I feel like when looking at I guess our winger depth, I mean, you could throw Townsend out there, but then you don't really have any option of who to put behind the strikers, let alone strikers since DCL is still injured. But I mean, you know, Alex Awobi has gotten some flack this season and, and I guess ever since he joined the club. And I, I, I guess that would really be the only, only other alternative. I, I know there's been some people chirping to, you know, give Ellis Sims a go, give Lewis Dobbin a go, but I, I feel like at this point, Awobi's really our best bet for filling that gray void. Um, so other than other than Awobi stepping in, I'm I'm not too sure if there's much more else Rafa could do in that in that situation. Yeah, I, uh, 
Ellis Sims and, and Dobbin are, are good shouts, um, but I, I think with those, you're going to have to switch formation in that sense. I don't think you can continue going yeah. go now. You probably have to play two up top with Dobbin and Richarlison. Their styles mm-hmm. are very much the same. Neither of them is really a hold-up play kind of guy. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it doesn't really – you know, I don't think playing one of them helps. Um, I, I think Damari Gray is going to be a very big loss. I think Damari Gray has easily been our most attack-minded player, uh, even more so than a Richarlison has been yeah. um, this season. So losing him even for a game would be massive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just the injuries just keep piling up. Yeah. And they just keep each – each week they pile up more and more, and each week they show how little depth we have. But at the same time, I mean, we are down our starting center back, our starting center midfielder, our starting striker, our starting left winger. I mean, as I said in the chat, there's not many teams aside from Manchester United with a competent manager, which they do have now. Um, Chelsea liverpool and man city that could withstand the quality of injuries that we've had and the quality of player that we've lost uh, right. and and continue to perform at a at a high level and that's you know a different conversation for a different day with financial fair play and if that actually works and you know right. how the, the the big teams keep spending and the little teams still have no money to spend but right. if you put west ham or tottenham in our situation they're going to look as bad as we did against Man City. It's plain and simple. Yeah. Tottenham lose right. Harry Kane, Son, or you know, um, Lucas Mora, or whoever plays on the wing there. They lost mm-hmm. Hoiberg and whoever you know, whatever their bet. Davison Sanchez. You know, they're not going to look as good. Nearly, they're not going to be as good nearly as as they do at full strength. Um, and they're going to lose games. If West Ham loses Antonio and Suchek and you know, Zuma or Agbana or, and Fordows, they're not going to look as good. So it's – right. Um, I think that's the one thing we need to look at and understand is that our quality of injury that we've lost um, is up there with, you know, arguably some of the worst players you could possibly have lost at the worst possible times. Oh, um, yeah. So it's not – you know, with Allen possibly out – I mean – Plus, both center midfielders at that point. I mean, you're you're basically hanging on, you know, putting things together, putting you know, square pegs and you know, circle holes or whatever the saying is. And um, it's just it's never gonna work. It's never gonna work. But do you blame? Is there any, do you blame Rafa for any of this this match? Or is there anything else he could have done? A different game plan he could have come up with? Or was this really the only way Everton was going to be able to? defend well and and put together a solid defensive performance while also, you know, maybe possibly having a counterattack here and there. I mean, I think this was the only way. I I, I really don't think a back four of Digne, Keane, Godfrey, and Coleman is is a bad back four in any day. I mean, I I think that's one of our more solid center-back pairings. And, you know, Digne and Coleman are always also very solid there on the flanks. I mean, just – Losing Gray early on, that that definitely didn't help. And I, I don't know if it was the formation or just the fact that Man City is so good, but Richarlison really didn't have a chance to do much on the day, which was disappointing. 
I feel like Gordon was really our only shot of any kind of counterattack play there. Uh, I, I feel like he is one of our better players uh, when it comes just to counterattacking and getting the ball at the pitch. But I don't think there's anything Rafa really could have done differently. I mean, like I said, I feel like people probably would have loved to give Ellis Sims the start. But against Manchester City, I feel like it's hard to give a player like Ellis Sims the start. I feel like a team against – I feel like a game against a team like Brentford, it's not as bad to give a player like Ellis Sims the start. But uh, yeah. I, I, I still feel like – well, I, I guess we're talking about Brentford later, but I, I think I'll sum it up as I feel like Everton and Brentford are in very similar situations. So I don't think the Brentford match is as much of a shoe-in for an Everton win as maybe it would have been several seasons ago or at the start of the season when our team was an injury plague. But uh, I, I, I feel like in terms of the Manchester City match, I really don't think there's anything Rafa could have done differently. I, I think it was just put out the best team and, you know, we just, we just lost to a better team. I mean, that's, that's really all there is to say. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be people out there that will be probably screaming at their computer saying, you know, Oh, but man city tied Southampton and they, you know, other teams played them much better than Everton. Again, other teams who played man city had their full quality of roster available to them. There's not really much else Rafa could have done that wouldn't have given up 10 goals and yeah. would have given us this, a, a better attacking threat. I, I mm-hmm. honestly just think that this game was always going to be a very blah game for Everton that wasn't going to be much, and they were going to be dominated from start to finish with the injuries that they had, of course. I think if they were you know, healthier, then maybe it's a different story. But in this cer- certain circumstance, that is – what the situation was. And I don't think Rafa could have done anything more. And, you know, I think it's time that as that right now, I, I say it almost every podcast. Now we need to realize that this Everton team is not a team right now, at least with their, um, of the availability of a player that they have um, that is going to compete for your, even a European spot at this point, we have to understand mm-hmm. that. And I think it's time we stop, Say, no, we need to sack the manager. Yes, some things need to change on the board and possibly things need to change there, but Everton need a plan. And I think if the manager is the one making the decisions and that's how Everton's decided to leave it up, you know, to them with, even though they have a director of football and, you know, they need a plan. They need something to build on. And um, it's going to take a while to get the bright players in and 1.7 million pounds is not going to do that. So (laughs) You know, we need some money. We need to get some more Deadwood off the books. And um, it's this is not a, a quick fix project. That's been the problem with Everton. The problem with Everton has been we've tried to make it a quick fix project, and it's never been a quick fix project. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's going to take some time, and there's going to be some bad points, and there's going to be some good points. But unless we're nearing the relegation zone, I'd stick with Rafa until he, you know, for at least a couple more years um, just to see if he can get something somewhat of the, some form of a team together. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You move on and hopefully bring in a player that can work with those type of players. But, you know, moving on from a manager every 18 months isn't going to do it. Yeah. It's um, it'll be interesting to see how, how this, team plays out once we get some injury it was some 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 of the injuries back in action and 
and playing. But I also honestly don't want them to come back too early. You know, yeah. I don't want them to come back too early and, and, and injure themselves again. I'd honestly rather them, and we'll talk about this in a second, but I'd rather them mm-hmm. probably stay out longer than maybe they need to just to make sure they're fully healthy before they come back and can help us um, in, you know, for the long run rather than getting hurt two games in again. So, right. Um, anything else you want to touch on before we move on from this? I think that's it. I All think right. we lived the nightmare and we don't have to relive it anymore. <laughs> we had, we we drew the, <laughs> we lived the nightmare. Um, all right, let's move on from this. Uh, we are going to take a quick break coming out of the break. We're going to provide um, Cal- Calvin and Kevin. I uh, did a little segment last week um, on the Everton news. Some of the things going on in the Everton world um, touched on some topics there. That's from the podcast that was supposed to be released before the Man City game. So we're going to play that right now after the break. And then um, coming out of that, we'll talk about the Brentford match. Hello there, Blues around the world. Uh, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are. Uh, This is Calvin here on the School of Science podcast. Uh, to take you through a segment of Everton News, and we'll talk about some transfer rumors as well. Um, so joining us on the podcast today is Kevin. Hey, Kevin, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> at least, at least yeah. for 24 so, hours until the, uh, until the City game kicks off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just a reminder, this segment's being recorded uh, on Saturday uh, morning in the U.S., uh, Saturday afternoon in the U.K., um, and so, yeah, pretty much in 24 hours, everything could change. But for now, um, let's, let's, let's jump right in, Kevin. So, uh, again, the, we're at the end of the third international break. Um, this feels like there's an international break uh, every time you turn around. But pretty much from here on out, we are, we're going to have a solid run of games that's coming up. The schedule is pretty packed. Um, Everton obviously have been playing only a game a week uh, ever since we got uh, knocked out of the League Cup, but that's about to change now. We are again, uh, we play Manchester City on Sunday, and then in a, in a week again on Sunday we play Brentford, and then with just two days rest in between, we've got the big clash. Right, I, I think uh, the, probably going to City is going to be a big game in the sense that they're the defending league champions. But, you know, uh, the, the, the Derby is going to be the huge game there, right? So, uh, Kevin, uh, anything to say about the schedule coming up? Uh, well, it's quite, quite fierce, isn't it? Um, I mean, we've, I think, unfortunately, we've had the, the kind of the easy part of the schedule already. Um, yeah. So this is quite daunting now, I think, until I think Boxing Day when we've got Burnley. I, I think probably the only real soft well, softish game anyway. I don't, no offense to Burnley fans. Right. <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah, I mean yeah. everything, everything else. I mean, there's some pretty heavy hitters uh, coming coming up in the next uh, in the next month or so, for sure. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and that that's why it's a little disappointing. I think Everton's current run. Uh, what is it now? One win in five games, or yeah. I think one in seven in all competitions. That's uh-huh. really disappointing because there were some really winnable games in here. Now, understandably, Everton have had a lot of issues with injuries, and that's what we're about to jump into right now, is 
there's been no respite at all for Everton, right? It just seems like the injury issues just keep just keep coming, right? So fine, we've got Richarlison back, but Dominic Calvert Lewin is still out. Um, though Correa is still out, Yeri Mina, who was supposed to be just a minor injury, appears to still be out. Um, and then there's just, uh, again, it, the hits just keep coming in midfield, right? Andre Gomez, still no sign of him. We haven't seen him in any training. And then now this week, we see Tom Davis on crutches. That wasn't really addressed yesterday by uh, Rafa Benitez on his press, during his press conference. Uh, so, yeah, Kevin, <laughs> what, what do we say about the injuries here? Well, I mean, it's the gift that just keeps on giving, really, isn't it, at the moment? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, we have, we've had a few players that have picked up knocks, like Calvert-Lewin. I mean, it's just the continuing problem. I mean, I think it was the third game that he came off, third league game that he came off. So he's now missed, yeah. what is it, eight league matches? I think he's missed, I think. And yeah. there's no yeah. real firm deadline um, for for his return, other than it's probably going to be before before Christmas, but I think uh, it's I think the assumption is that he's going to be out for the for the Liverpool game uh, on the first of December, and possibly for yeah. for more games beyond that as well. So that, so that is a worry um, for sure. Um, I mean the injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean really they've they've hit us at a period where we had the potential to to uh, you know to to pile up some points over the last over the last month or so, really. Um, it's yeah, badly affected yeah. the the form of the team and our ability to get results in those games. And the players are still not back and we're now hitting a really tough portion of the um, of the schedule. So that's that's going to be a, a major problem uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, Gomez, I mean, he's got this calf issue, hasn't he? I mean, I thought, I, I'd hoped that, I mean, we had Rodriguez's calf problem, which seemed to last the whole, for the whole, pretty much the whole of last season. I think now he's yeah. gone and Gomez has inherited this somehow. It's like, it's like migrated from Rodriguez <laughs> to Gomez. So that's <laughs> it's a problem. It's, um, it's okay, a viral maybe you, calf thing that's getting it, around and finch for him. Well you, well, you may laugh, but you may laugh, Calvin, but it's a possibility. I think we need, I think somebody needs to look in on it. I think uh, maybe Christian Fernandez, he's been, maybe maybe he's on the case that Benitez has just hired. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, th- it was interesting. Uh, obviously, Danny Donaghy being let go, right? Um, yeah. Obviously, the Donaghy family has been involved with Everton for a very long time, right? Uh, it, 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 it was an interesting decision, right? Um, you know, we've, we've, we've looked at this before on the website too, but Christian Fernandez has an excellent record, um, yeah. at least during his time with Rafa at Newcastle. So, um, I, I'm not surprised that Rafa, you know, made that change. Um, everything we've heard about Rafa as a manager is that he likes to control everything that's going on around the players, right? So obviously having his own man in place uh, as sort of a chief physio was, was not really a surprise. Um, I, I, I would say I'm surprised it happened this quick. But again, when you look at Everton's like injury record over the last couple of years, it, it is really bad. And a lot of these soft tissue injuries, as you know, as you pull the, as you call them, right? So the mm-hmm. hamstrings, the calf muscles, and these 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 tend to be preventable to some extent. Yeah. So again, not to throw Danny Donaghy under the bus there, but <laughs> no. I, I I'm I'm not surprised Rafa made that change. 
Yeah, well, Donachie, I mean, he apparently, uh, you know, he's held in high regard by everybody who's who's had dealings with him. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think we want to cast any aspersions on on his, you know, his quality that he offers. But clearly, Benitez yeah. is, a, is a guy who likes to, you know, to be involved um, in all aspects of running the club. Um, yeah, I mean, over in China, I think he was even involved with Dalian. I think he was even involved in their academy setup. So, yeah. I mean, he, he sees it as like a holistic you know, all-encompassing role, I think, being the manager. Yeah. Um, obviously, if he's got some concerns about the lack of availability of some players, uh, particularly some of these, you know, soft tissue problems, um, then he's right. going to want to turn to somebody that he knows and he, he he's, he's dealt with before in Fernandez, and obviously he's had results yeah. with him in the past and I think that's only to be expected and I think it's just, um, you know, it, it's like with all aspects of the coaching staff as well, the backroom staff, I think mm-hmm. that the, the manager has to be 100%, um, you know, has to back these guys 100%. Um, I feel that they are, you know, that he, he knows what he's going to get from them. So I think that's that's reasonable yeah. for him to do this. Uh, obviously, we've got the issues with Mina. Um, I, I think Takore is more yeah. of a, I mean, it's it's a it's a stress fracture of the foot, isn't it? But the only issue with that is that it's, yeah. I think it's the same foot, isn't it? The same problem yeah. that he had last year, from which last is... Season. Freakish, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's probably down to him being overplayed. Which, you know, I mean, that's. I mean, you're going to play him whenever you can, simply because he's, yeah. uh, you know, he's an athlete, isn't he? And he's vital for the yeah. way that Benitez has wanted to set up this year so far. Um, but I think, I mean, obviously, uh, Calvert Lewin had a toe problem and he broken toe initially. I think he did it uh, uh, yep. with England, I think. In training with England, yeah, over the summer, yeah, that's right, yeah. So that's that's just a freak, basically. But the rest of them are all uh, muscle problems, yeah. which is you know an issue. Um, well, for 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 Dom though, it, it's both the broken toe yeah. and the hamstring issue too. Uh, he, yes. he was dealing with both. Yeah. So uh, again, that is a soft tissue injury too. There. It is, yeah. I mean, again, it's it's just something that's a, a problem. I mean, I mean, all play, well, almost all players get injured. Um, but we do yeah, seem to yeah. have, uh, you know, a long, a long-term problem at the team. I think probably going back to uh, Roberto Martinez's time. Actually, I think that's mm-hmm. when it started to appear. You know, we started to pick up a lot yeah. of problems with like James McCarthy, and I know Martinez considered. I think he was actually. I think he had physiotherapy uh, qualifications, from what I can recall. So I think he saw himself yeah. as being, you know, he, he kind of took charge, you know, you know, an overarching view on on fitness at the club. Yeah. Um, and we've, we've we've never really had a, a clean period since then. I thought that I can recall where we've no. avoided avoid the problems. So that's a worry going yeah. forward. But I'm sure Benitez, has. We've got, we've got to trust in Rafa to get this sorted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you touched on Yeri Mina there, and you know, let, let's talk a little bit about Mina, right? So, uh, uh, you know, Yeri's. Yeri's injury was with Colombia. I think it was at the last international break. Uh, I think he played three consecutive games, three consecutive shutouts, we should also say, remember, mm-hmm. for Colombia. Yeah. Um, and then came back and looked like he was fine. Then I think he had an issue. And it, it was interesting because I think about two weeks ago, uh, just before the break, actually before the last game against Spurs, and Rafa had said that Yeri is close, uh, that he just didn't, he ran out of time to get prepared for that Spurs game. So this is interesting that a fortnight later, he's still not available. And again, 
I don't know if Rafa just skirted the question yesterday because I think when he was asked in his press conference about the status of Calvert-Lewin, Dokore, Mina, and Gomez, he was asked all four names in, in sort of one fell swoop, and all he said was they are all out. So, hmm. again, I'm, I'm a little concerned about Mina here. And, and, you know, we've talked about his durability before. But, again, let's, let's talk a little bit more about Mina, right? So, Matt did an interesting piece this week uh, on, on the website talking about Everton's win record win, with and without Mina in the squad, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's like eye-popping reading, right? Yeah. Everton's win percentage with Mina in the team is 57%. And without him, that's 24%, right? Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen anything for Mina and Dokore both being in the team, but I would say that with both Mina and Dokore out, we probably win one game in 10, if that. And that's, yeah. that's, that's abysmal for a uh, a team sport, you know what I mean? Mm, it is, yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I don't have the numbers uh, to hand, but I know last mm-hmm. season when Decore was injured, um, our, our win percentage dropped quite considerably. I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah, it, we it, had it, one win in eight games that Decore did not play in. You're right, there you or go. Start. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that yeah. sounds that sounds bang on. Yeah, um, I'm not a concern. He's obviously he's obviously a key player. Um, and Ditto right. Mina, I mean, Mina, I think is, you know, as he's kind of um, acclimatized to the club because obviously when he arrived, oddly enough, he was injured, wasn't he? Um, yeah. So yep. it, it took him a little, I think it's the first season more or less was, it wasn't a write-off exactly, but it took him a little while to get himself integrated mm-hmm. uh, into the setup. But I think gradually it's become apparent that he is the, the vital linchpin of the Everton defence. Uh, he's got that physicality. Yeah. Um, that, mm-hmm. okay, Keane, Keane's good in the air, but Mina is a dominant defender aerially. Uh, he's, exactly. he's, a bit, he's a bit more mobile than Keane is, uh, without being quick yeah. particularly. Um, he's got the attitude and the aggression as well, the competitive spirit, exactly. which, you, which you look for. You know yeah. those intangibles, really. And it's, it's, it's no surprise yeah. that that we're that we're much more effective when I'm on the field than we're out. Even from an offensive uh, standpoint, um, he's obviously a danger mm-hmm. in the opposing box. He's fantastic. You know, I mean, yeah. we, I'm sure you know we've got the zonal issue with defending. Obviously, set pieces. Obviously, if, if Mina was available, we wouldn't. I, I, no, no doubt, we wouldn't have conceded quite so many goals. So, so you can't yeah, you can't ignore certainly. that aspect as well. Um, but yeah, I yeah. mean, it's, the numbers don't lie. At the end of the day, I mean, you can if you if you're looking over a, a period of a number of games that he's missed and a number of games that he's played, then you know any yeah. any kind of um, statistical problems or quirks kind of you know balance out. And so it's undeniable that that we are a better team with him in a more secure team for sure. Yeah, certainly, certainly. And, you know, you mentioned numbers there again. He, I mean, here, here's another couple of numbers and especially around set pieces, right? So uh, last season, right, under Carlo Ancelotti and, uh, you know, Carlo's son, Davide, who was pretty much uh, solely in charge of set pieces, mm-hmm. um, Everton had the seventh best record in defending set pieces and third best in <laughs> creating them. Um, whereas this season, we're down to 14th and 15th, respectively, Uh so quite quite the big drop off there, considering we've had no change in personnel, right, from yeah. last season to this season. So, yeah, um, right. you know, I think a lot of this looks like it's on the coaching, but yeah, uh, there, there, there could be something more there, right? Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously it's obviously Benitez's approach. I mean, he's completely junked the uh, the defensive setup that we had last season under under Davide and Salote. Yeah. I mean, it's just just unfortunate that he, he had to he had to leave at the same time as his dad. I mean, if we could have retained somehow retained <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> retained him, that would have been a plus. Um, but, yeah. yeah. So I mean, obviously Benitez, he, he wants to do things things his own way. I mean, he's always been this zonal guy. I mean, I know it's not a complete completely zonal system that he plays, but it's, I mean, it's a hard yeah. one, isn't it? But it's. Um, I mean, he's going to basically he's going to he's going to stick at it until it until it works. <laughs> so so yeah, be, be yeah. prepared to concede plenty more stupid goals. It's interesting when Rafa has been asked about the you know the, the obviously the, the issues with the defending on set pieces, right? And you know, Rafa was very uh, I think he was very passionate when he said that it's not the zonal system. And like you said, ever since he's come to England, that that's been his thing, right? But what he pointed the finger at was actually the players themselves mm. and their their willingness, I guess, to to attack the ball. Because I think that's one thing that doesn't change, right? Whether you're man marking or zonal marking, right? There's got to be an intention to to attack the ball. And I, yeah. when you look at the goals we've conceded, right? We are second to every aerial ball in the box. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's a recipe for disaster. It is. I mean, okay, you need certain attributes to make this system work. Uh, I think mm-hmm. a bit of bravery, obviously, you know, being 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 able to, to win headers is a, is a plus, clearly. Uh, bravery yeah, and aggression, yeah. uh, anticipation. I mean, Mina's got that clearly in spades. I think Calvert-Lewin yeah. is useful. Uh, maybe even certainly, the right certainly. too. And certainly with Charles, yeah. defensively, he's, he's pretty good. I, I mean, yeah. he, he does get himself on the end of a lot of clearances. And a lot of those players have not been available for most of the season. So it's obviously undermined what Benitez has wanted to do. If they'd been available, exactly. they'd not, they, if they'd not been missing yeah. big sections of the season, I think things would have been work, would have worked out better. Uh, obviously, yeah. Benitez is I mean, he's attached to this system and it's, it's a long-term thing. He's, he's not going to deviate from it. He's going to make it work right. with the personnel that he has available. He isn't going to move away from it and say, well, Michael Keane's not the most aggressive. Godfrey and Holgate aren't big. Uh, yeah. I think maybe I should change things up. He isn't going to do that. He believes in his methods. He's just going to stick with it. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully we'll get some people back and things, you know, it, it, it will be seen to be more effective going forward. But, yeah, I mean, short term, I think it's, we're just going to have to put up with it. <laughs> It's sad defeatist, but it's, uh, what can you do? He isn't, he, he, the guy is not no, going to change. Yeah. He isn't going to. He isn't going to go to man to man. Doesn't matter how many how many times people insist many, he should right, be going right. man to man. And, 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 and the, the individual characteristics of the of the players. I mean, a man, there's no guarantee that a man to man system would suddenly, you know, see us. Would work and, either, right? Well, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Keane is not going to be yeah. any more aggressive than he is right now. It's not going right. to change. <laughs> uh, I think just just to put a you know a sort of a cap on that, right? Uh, here's some again some more stats, right? So Yerimina has won seventy six percent of his aerial duels um, this season. Uh, the numbers pretty much fall off a cliff after that. Michael Keane sixty three point five, Ben Godfrey fifty percent, 
Mason Holgate 46%. So yes. um, that, that basically just tells you everything, right? And we've pretty much had Godfrey or Holgate playing every game this season, right? Yeah. I don't think there have been too many games at all where we've had Keane and Mina in there. Um, so mm-hmm. clearly this is a weakness. Clearly opponents know this. They're going to keep attacking us you know, in the in the zones that Godfrey and Keane are marking. And again, again not having uh, Dokere, not having Calvert-Lewin for that additional presence in the box is, is going to continue to be an issue. So, and you're right. I, I don't think Rafa is going to change his system just because one or two players are out. He is, I think he's here inst- installing a system that's that that he sees is going to work for the whole season and possibly beyond. And the players are in a position where they're going to have to sink or swim, right? So, um, cl- clearly, I, I think at this point, I, I think it's pretty clear, right? This is a rebuilding season, if you will. Um, if we can get Europe out of it, that's going to be a bonus. Uh, but otherwise, um, it, it, it's just going to continue to be what it is right now, is we're trying to rebuild. Rafa's trying to sort of set himself up, try and gauge what he's got. And... Um, so that, let, let, let's use that as a segue to talk about the January transfer window, right? Um, clearly, Everton uh, were not able to spend a lot over the summer with, the, with their issues with the profit, Premier League profit and loss rules. Um, there was some hope that uh, we could maybe swing a couple of transfers in January. Again, Marcel Brands has been known to uh, not be a fan of that winter transfer window. Um, prices tend to be inflated. Um, However, what we are seeing, which is an interesting trend, I think, across the top five leagues in Europe, is that there are a lot of players on bigger teams or bigger squads that are quite dissatisfied with their situation, right? So um, there might be more scope for loan players. Um, let's see how that goes. But again, Rafa, very interestingly, this week uh, came out and said that he didn't expect to make too many changes in January. So uh, what are your thoughts on that, Ken? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a little disappointing, obviously, because, I mean, we know where we are with regards to the uh, profit and sustainability uh, regulations, that, you know, that we, I, th- I think, they, I think they, they were kind of, we have to submit accounts in, is it May? I think May or June May, of the yeah. year, yeah. And mm-hmm. I think I think we went. I think yeah. I, I think obviously I think we we we've, we've gone over. We, we are either in breach or if not in breach, we are going to be in breach. Uh, so I, I mean, be right. exactly. Yeah. So there's there's very little wiggle room. Um. So it's disappointing. Uh. Obviously, I mean, if we can get players in on loan because we have you know areas of the team that just need reinforcements. I mean. Uh, full back, it's a no-brainer that we need. We need cover, certainly at least at right back, just because yeah. it's unrealistic. I mean, Coleman's played a lot of minutes already this year, and it's unrealistic. Yeah. Even though he's not the player that he was, he's still you know a dependable asset. Um, exactly. but, it, but it's unrealistic yeah. for him not to pick up any more knocks so far uh, for the rest of the season yeah. you know, going forward. Um but I mean, we, we we didn't address it in the summer, the right back situation. I mean, we pursued Dumfries um, and a couple of other options, uh, lad in Scotland, um, yeah. and couldn't and couldn't get anybody. And Maitland Niles as well as like a utility player, mm-hmm. really to plug a few holes. But for yeah. variety of reasons, none of these things happened. Um, I mean, we've got to hope that there's some 
you know, there's some movement behind the scenes. Um, I mean, we, we continue to get linked with players, uh, usually quite high-profile players at other clubs. Um, right. How realistic any of these targets are, I, I really, I really don't know. I mean, are they coming from agents? Are they coming from the the selling club or the would-be selling club? Um, right. I mean, we've been linked with Stefan de Vry, um this week. Yep. He's a, you know, he's a top-class player. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's got a year, and uh, less, just less than two years on his contract. Um, on his contract, yeah. Yeah, realistically, I mean, if, if Inter want to sell him, how realistic is it that he's going to come to Everton, who is who are currently a mid-table team and are highly unlikely yep. to qualify for any kind of European competition this season, barring a, a complete right. turnaround in form? Um, what, yeah. what, why would why would he go to, to Everton? Why he's, would he's, he exactly? Uh, yeah, I just don't see it as reasonable. Plus, also the the same articles talk about Inter are going to want. I think he's evaluated that's something like forty five million on transfer market yeah. at the moment, which. Obviously, that's just right. a ballpark figure. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> realistically, Everton kind of cannot afford to throw any kind of money at a player like that if the player was interested no. in coming in the first place. So, I mean, that's just a, that's a, that's a dead duck of a rumor right away, isn't it? It's not, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, so a few it's other, interesting so, how that keeps happening, right? Isn't it interesting how we, at this point until. Two years ago, right? Or even a year ago, right? Everyone knew Everton had money to spend, right? So yeah. pretty much any transfer rumor for any player, you know, uh, Everton was invariably linked, right? You'd yeah. always see Everton, you'd see Spurs, you'd see West Ham linked with pretty much any player ever that got, you know, and especially if they were in a position of need, right? So like fullback, mm-hmm. uh, midfielder, forward, winger, if you will. Um, but it's interesting that even after this summer, when it was very, very well publicized that Everton did not have any money to spend, we continue to get linked with the, the debris and the ISCOs of the world, right? And we're, clearly, we can't afford these guys, right? right? I mean, sometimes it just feels like lazy tabloid journalism when, when you see Everton getting linked with some pretty high-profile players, right? Unless... Uh, so let's talk about another high-profile player since we're talking about Inter, right? Ivan Perisic, right? Um, again, the excellent winger, goal-scoring winger, a veteran, um, been there, done that, played, I don't know, probably close to three digits in games for Croatia, right? And and he's being linked with Everton, right? And, and once again, right, why would he come to Everton? What, 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 what can we offer him for a challenge that... Um, you know, maybe the Premier League, sure, but Tottenham and West Ham are both teams that are in Europe and that have bigger squads and probably better prospects than we do right now. So some of these rumours are very strange. Yeah, I mean, Perisic is a strange one. I mean, he's, he's at the age now where, I mean, he's definitely in the veteran stage. I think he's 32, maybe coming up yeah. to I think maybe he's 33 next season, uh, next February. Yeah. Yeah, February. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for a wide player, especially, that's pretty advanced, unless you're a, a Superman like Ronaldo. It's pretty much an advanced <laughs> age. Um, is he, I think he's still a high, very high quality player. I mean, I've not, I can't say I've seen him play this year. I mean, I did catch a couple of, um, a couple of Inter's European games last year and he looked, uh, he, he still looked a very, you know, a top player really, or, or just, just off the right. top level. 
But, it, but as you yeah. say, I mean, at his age now, I would imagine he's going to want a one last big contract. Do we want to be the team exactly. that signs a player that has done a hell, hell of a lot in his career already and is now coming, yeah. coming up to that last couple of seasons and he's going to play at a lower level than he's ever played before? I mean, how is he going to be? I'm, I'm sure he's a, a total professional. And maybe maybe I'm wrong, but it's going to be hard to see how that guy is going to be super motivated to to really yeah. you know play a hundred percent, give everything he's got. Right. And I, I I love the guy. I mean, when he was he's been linked to us a few times over the years, and you know you get excited yeah. about a player like that. You think, wow, he's going to do a hell of a lot for us. But I just don't really see it. I, I think I think even um, one of the rumors I read, he was he said he's interested in going back to Germany. So. Okay. I, just I just don't really see see it as a realistic option. No. Um, yeah. I mean, if if he wasn't playing at Inter, and there wasn't a great deal of interest in him that elsewhere, then right. we could maybe look at him as yeah. like as like a, as a you know, take over his contract and bring him in on loan if he just wants to to kind of you know get his games in, uh, get his game numbers up, yeah. and ensure he retains his international position. That that'd be a different story. But he's been playing for Inter. I mean, he started most of the right. league games this season. I just don't really mm-hmm. see see it as a as a uh, as a reasonable option. And then even talking about it yeah. as not even in January, but next summer when he would be thirty three, mm. I, I just don't really see that there's any real legs in it. No. And that's my verdict <laughs> on Ivan Perisic. <laughs> sadly, sadly, it's not you know, to be. <laughs> no, no, yeah, sadly not to be. So again, you know, I, I think that, that there is a, a, a trend in the transfer market, right? That we have seen Everton sort of do in the past, if you will, um, is that you know we go out trying to look for these big names, and often they're on the wrong end of their twenties, right? And you know that that's a problem, right? Like you mentioned, right? Perisic is probably looking for that last big payday in his career, right? And I don't think Everton should be that club that gives him that, and not just him, any players, right? Because, again, this Hamas Rodriguez thing, what, what, what was the fiasco, right? So uh, just on so many levels, he was not the right fit for Everton, right? But, uh, you know, I think with that link with Carlo Ancelotti, and again, not casting any aspersions on his quality, right? Hamas is quality. But Everton, where we are right now as a club, we can't have a player who's only going to dress for 20 games a season, of which he'll show up for 10, if you know what I mean, right? So, and again, like you said, Perisic, you know, could be a consummate professional and he probably is available for every single game and that would be great, but that's not the kind of player we need to be targeting, right? We need Mm -hmm. to be targeting the young, hungry, looking to prove themselves, um, make their name kind of player because, like it or not, and again, very contentious topic among Evertonians, we are still a stepping stone club. It's Mm -hmm. not in any way trying to demean who we are or what we have done in the past, but right now, that is what Everton is. It is the kind of club where a player can come in, prove themselves, and then make their name or else, if we are so willing to throw money at them, give a player on the wrong end of his career and uh, you know a chance for a big payday, 
And sure, they can show quality sometimes, but we need that consistent effort. You know, we just talked about this, right? Having Mina and Dokure out takes our win probability down to about 10%. We cannot be that reliable on only two players. And especially modern football with how, how it's played, how fast the game is, how powerful and strong the players are, you simply do not have that kind of durability in, in, in players that can play, you know, 38 plus, say, another 10 games in, in, the, in cup games. So that's about 50 games a season at that high intensity level. So we need to build a squad and we need to build a squad filled with hungry players who want to make their name. And so shopping at that, you know, 28 to 30, 32 year old sort of basket just does not make sense, especially not for a club of Everton's size and of Everton's aspiration. That's exactly right. I mean, you know, obviously you mentioned, you mentioned James Rodriguez. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, he, he probably peaked career-wise after his first season with Real Madrid. So you're talking about yeah. probably, what, six years ago? So, yeah, about 2015. Yeah. Um, when, he was, yeah. when he was a 24-year-old player or whatever. So, you know, he, he played for Real Madrid. He played for Bayern Munich. He then moves to Everton at 29. A, a team that's not in Europe that has ambitions to make it into Europe. But, 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 but realistically, Champions League is... a probably a step too far. How motivated can that yeah. player be? Um, I mean, he said, yeah. I think I think there was some uh, talk that he'd, um, when, when Yeri Mina was kind of t- trying to talk him into, into staying at Everton, um, I think, I don't even know whether this was before Benitez arrived or, or maybe slightly afterwards, mm-hmm. but Rodriguez, it's, I mean, this is obviously all getting translated secondhand, so we, we, I don't know how legitimate this is, but it, his suggestion was that the team isn't great. You know, he was used to playing, which is, a, which is you know, look, from his point of view, he's, he's, he's right. It was it was a mid-table team. He'd never, yeah. he'd never played at that level. Even when he was in France, no. um, I think Monaco were doing well in the year Monaco, that he was right. there. Yeah, obviously he played yeah. for, played in Portugal for Porto, which is a strong team. He'd always played for teams that were going to compete. Um, and and unless, you're, uh, unless you're an incredible professional, self-motivating sort of person, I, I, I think it's difficult to kind of expect that player to 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 be super pumped about playing playing for Everton. We all think, oh yeah, right. you know, the player should be, <laughs> and you know, and, and you do get right. a guy like Townsend who does legitimately um, seem exactly. to be very very happy to be at Everton. But with him, I mean, he'd been at Tottenham, he'd been kind of a squad player at Tottenham, and then. I yep. think by the time he was in his mid-twenties, he'd moved around a bit. He'd gone to Newcastle. Yep. Then he'd gone to Palace, and he was four years Palace. at Palace. Yeah. So his career probably, when he left Palace, most people would have thought that he would be taking a step down, maybe getting picked up by a right. Norwich or someone like that, or a Brentford, or maybe even a championship sure. team. So I think that yeah. he saw Everton as kind of like a lifeline, a step up really from where he'd been, where he'd spent the last four years. Mm-hmm. And again, no offense to Palace, but Everton's Evan, status and ambition level was, was certainly higher. Uh, so we, I think right. he did look at it and think, well, yeah, this is the biggest club I've, I've, I've been to since I was at Tottenham. This is a chance for me to really do something now at the, at the tail end of his career. And I don't think that Rodriguez would, you know, felt that felt the same way at all. And I don't, and it's, no. it's highly unlikely Perisic would as well. 
Yeah. So I mean, that's, yeah. it's, a, that, it's a difference in fair. it's a difference in mentality and where the play and the, the player's history. You know what level yeah. the players played at before Townsend. It was a step up for him. Even Damari Gray. Yeah. I mean, he played at Leicester. He'd been a, a kind of a bit part player really at Leicester. And um, right. you know, spent a short period of time in Germany. So for him, it's a chance mm-hmm. for him to go to a a team in the Premier League that maybe was a little step up from where he probably thought he was going to end up. So right. you can see why he'd be motivated to give his best. And he's at that age where yeah. he thinks he thinks as well that well, you know, I'm at my peak or I'm approaching the peak years. Exactly. You know, maybe I can yeah. do something with Everton. That's fine. Yeah. Let's let's just hope we don't we don't crush his dreams and he ends up we end up finishing fifteenth. <laughs> that'll just that'll just defuse everybody's enthusiasm right away. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, let, let, let's talk about a couple more names uh, that that you know transfer rumors, right? Uh, so one is that you know a name that's been uh, being kicked around since the summer. So Donny Van de Beek at Manchester United, right? Um, clearly, uh, the, the the Dutchman does not see eye to eye with the uh, uh and uh, you know there's been a lot of uh, a lot of very public uh, conversation, uh, mostly by Van de Beek's agent saying. Um, Everton were one of the sides that were interested in taking him on loan over the summer, um, but Saltier is going to give him more minutes. And then every time you know he doesn't get to play, uh, there was a very uh, there's a video that went around the, on Twitter where you could see Van de Beek uh, throwing a little bit of a fit when uh, he had warmed up and thought he was going to go on the pitch, didn't come on quite. Yeah, so that again. Um, so obviously his name's come up again as as a candidate to leave United um, over, over in January, as has uh, uh, Jesse Lingard, uh, another another player who's been linked with Everton. Um, I don't know how many times over the years, right? So, a um, cu- couple of thoughts on the United players. What, what, what do we think about them? If we, if there's an opportunity to bring them in in January for Van der Beek, it would be on loan for Lingard, probably a little messy because his contract expires over the summer. Yeah, well, I think that, I mean, United would want a fee for Lingard, you know, with him entering the last uh, six months of his contract. Um, I mean, I think that they were, there was a place, a deal, supposedly, a verbal deal in place for him to go to West Ham for, I think, 25 million last, uh, last yeah. summer. But then United, summer, yeah. You know, the talk was that United wanted 35 million instead, <laughs> probably because he played so well. And they figured, well, why not? Right. Why, why, why not try and get another 10 million? Um, yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, he could probably be available for a relatively low fee if we have any money whatsoever to find. Yeah. Um, and we're not just like offering, you know, magic beans or whatever, or whatever Everton's uh, using for transfer currency these days. Um, yeah, I mean, Lingard, he's really, he's played one good half season of football in the last probably three years. He's 29. Right. Again, he's, 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 you could argue that he's one of those players that has, has played at a higher level, albeit never been an indispensable member of the United team. Would he, right. would, would we get the same player that was playing maybe for a move um, at West Ham last season? I think it's doubtful. I, I think it's doubtful yeah. that we'd see that. Um, I mean, look at Willock at, at Newcastle. I mean, he was great um, on loan uh, for the second half of last season, but he's not scored a goal after making the permanent move. 
I mean, that's just probably the right. one Newcastle playing. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> Lingard, would he, would he be an asset? Yeah. Would he command a big fee in terms of his wage? Yes, I would think so. Yeah. But do we have that? No, right. I, don't, I don't think we do. I mean, I don't think there's much point in getting uh, Rodriguez's, you know, 200k plus wage uh, wages off the and then off handing the, it the to Lingard, right? I just it just seems yeah. a bit counterproductive, really. Um, oh, Van der Beek, I think, has a lot more. It interests me a lot more because he's a much <laughs> younger player. Um, he's not, not not really being given much of a chance at Man United. Uh, he was a class player yeah. at Ajax. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'd take him. Yeah, absolutely, I'd take him. Assuming United. Uh, you know, can be dealt with because we've had some right. some problems with them in the past. With Romero, the mm-hmm. goalkeeper, and then the, the you know the Van yep. der Beek um, move in the summer being just scotched at the last second by by Solskjaer, uh, which is it's just a puzzler really. Considering that he's he seems to be really Van der Beek, almost the last player that he's going to turn to at any point. So that's <laughs> that's, that's mind games being played within the United dressing room. I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'd take him. He's, I think he's a class player. I, I think Benitez could find a position for him. I mean, the way we're playing at the moment, right. which is a, a kind of a three-man midfield, I think him playing yeah. as one of the two guys in front of a sitter, I think that I think he'd work sure. really well. Or he could play as a number 10 if Benitez wants to go to a 4-2-3, you know, right. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think he's, I think he's, Clearly... a, he's an attainable target, I think. Right, right. And I think that's the key word there, attainable, right? Because, yeah, you're right. Uh, and especially looking at uh, our injury woes in midfield, right, with Gomez out and Davies out, right? I mean, I think we're looking at Tyler Onyango possibly getting some minutes uh, on Sunday against City, right? So if we're, we're down yeah. to that level, mm-hmm. clearly we could use some reinforcements in the middle. I think so, yeah. I mean, I think we'd be getting a, a player who, who has something to prove, who presumably wants to stay in England. I mean, he's had this big move to England. Yeah. I think he wants to stay there, uh, stay, stay here, I should say. Um, he, right. he, he figures that he would he'd play a lot of games for us, get himself back into the international uh, shake-up. Set up, yeah. Um, yep, and he's yep. obviously, I mean, it's only a little, is it a year away now, the uh, the World Cup, isn't it? Yeah, less than yeah, a year. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, I mean, and, and he's, he's hardly kicked the ball, really, hasn't he? Has he really in the last, uh, in the last few months, so... I, I think he, I think he'd be attainable. I mean, maybe with an, even with an option to buy. I mean, that that could be something that's doable for a knockdown fee, maybe, maybe around right. the 20, 20 million mark, possibly in the summer. You know, with an option. Summer, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that'd be something worth pursuing. Uh, obviously, we might Certainly. have a competition from the likes of you know Newcastle. We were getting linked with everybody that we were getting linked with, really. <laughs> exactly. Newcastle are where Everton were when Farad Mashiri took over, right? Pretty back much. When, back Ainsler. when we. Yeah, back when we had some money, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Those days. Um, so let's talk about another high-profile player that, that got linked with us over this international break, right? So Nicolas Pepe at uh, Arsenal, right? The the winger. Uh, again, position of need for Everton. Um, and, and, you know, Pepe hasn't had too much time uh, for Arsenal this season. Uh, he's played in nine games. Um, League Cup and Premier League, uh, that's about it. As you see, he's got uh, one goal and three assists. Um, so, 26-year-old, um, what do we think about him? Um, I think he lacks consistency. Um, you could argue that 
really, it's only it's only the last kind of what maybe six seven games that Arsenal have shown any consistency in the time that Pepe has has been at the club. I think he's probably quite a maligned figure. I mean, I hear a lot of people comparing him to Iwobi, who is you know a bit of a yeah you know, a, a, a figure that polarizes <laughs> opinion. I think. I think I don't yeah. really, but I think that Pepe is. I mean, he's certainly got better numbers than it will be. It will be had at Arsenal in terms of his productivity. Yeah. I think he's probably struggled with um, with consistency in, in in an inconsistent team. It must be said he arrived at an inconsistent yeah. team, um, and he's struggled to manage to you know to put to kind of um, to insert himself into that into that situation and and, and get some productive form. Uh, I don't think he's a bad player at yeah. all. Um, is he viable? No. I, I don't think he really is. I mean, Arsenal paid 72 no. million, I think, for him. Yeah, well, it was a club you know, record fee for a, a club the size of Arsenal, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is not, you know, I mean, probably the overpaid for him, but I mean, that's not, that's not nothing, not all yeah. problem at all. 72 million is still, <laughs> what, two, two and a half years ago. Um, they're going to want a big chunk of that back. They're going to want to rehabilitate yeah. them and sell them for a big chunk of, of sure. that 72 million. I don't think we have a big chunk of that 72 million. I don't think we have a small chunk no. of that 72 million. <laughs> <laughs> we spent I mean, two million over the summer, right? Yeah, well, so, I, I mean, it's possible. We, I mean, we, we could come in for a bit of that nature and just to, just to be laughed out the room, possibly. That's, uh, <laughs> I don't know whether that does us any good long term, but. <laughs> I think that it's, yeah, I mean, it's more likely he'll end up at Newcastle uh, on loan, I would think. Right. With the, right. With the idea that he, you know, he keeps them up with, with banging in 15 goals and uh, they then sell them to Real Madrid <laughs> in the summer. Sure. Yeah. That's yep. more, much more likely. <laughs> <laughs> and then here we are talking, we'll be left talking about what could have been, right? So, yeah, well, that's it. That, 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 that ship has sailed. That dream, that dream is over. <laughs> yeah. So again, just talking about Pepe, right? So uh, left foot player, um, very talented, plays on the right wing, can cut in. Um, you know, obviously has a lot of potential. Um, would be very effective, I would say, on this Everton side, right? Um, but again, very versatile player, and you know, I think very quietly in some sense because everyone's being fixated on how bad Arsenal have been over the last couple of seasons, and and you know, they've only just seemed to have gotten it right over the last uh, few games and are look, playing consistent football. But just looking at Pepe's numbers, right? He's got 25 goals, 18 assists in 98 games for Arsenal. Um, mm. I, you know, if, if someone put a gun to my head and said, how many games do you think Pepe has played for Arsenal? I would not have guessed that he's close to 100 games for them already. Uh, but it, it's very interesting that that's pretty much, he's on pace for a goal or an assist every other game. That's a lot more consistent than, you're right, it will be ever was. Um, you know, there, there, there tends to be a label um, that Everton fans like to slap around every time we talk about, you know, a player wanting out of uh, a top six side. And it's like, yeah, we don't need the rejects from a top six side, right? And we have a terrible transfer history, right? I, I know, <laughs> Kevin, you wrote a very elaborate piece about how, how, I'm just going to say it, how shit we were in recruiting players, <laughs> especially that 2016-18 period when Mushiri took over and, 
you know, bankrolled us to to throw money away pretty much. So, you know, for every Schneiderlin that we have picked up, um, I, it, it's been very rare we've actually had a pickup that's worked out, right? So uh, I, I agree to some sense. We shouldn't necessarily be shopping for rejects from other sides, but also just labeling. I hear this all the time, right? Oh, Donny van der Beek? Oh, he's oh. just Davy Klassen all over again, right? And same thing, Pepe? Oh, he's just Iwobi all over again. I don't think you can just paint players with this broad brush because of where they come from or what club we're signing them from, right? I, I, I think every case is unique on its own. So we shouldn't necessarily be quick to judge. Um, what I would like to see, I think just like you and just like everyone else, is that Everton show some consistency in their recruiting policy, right? So if we are signing youngsters, let's go look for players that are you know, trying to make an impression. So in that 21 to 24 year range, or they're already 25, 26, 27, but on the verge of sort of breaking through. Right. Mm. Let's let's not give out too much money to players on the back ends of their careers. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you know, you mentioned signing young players. I mean, that's what Arsenal have done this uh, this season. I mean, yeah. I think every player they signed right. was twenty three and and under, which is building under, yeah. building for the future. Uh, but those players right. still have something something to what contribute right now. Um, I think they've you know right. they've bought very well. For the first time, they're constructing a squad with a with with right. a, a concept in mind, and I don't think we ever we we we've done we've done that really. I mean, it's been a scattergun no. approach. Um, yeah, it's been a scattergun approach. I just don't think that we've um, that 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 we've we've attempted to build the squad with a with a joined up uh, a joined up yeah. idea really of how to go about it. I mean, Pepe would for sure be be a, be a, if we could somehow get him on. I mean, it would only be a loan. You know, it'd right. be a, a short term deal. But yeah, I mean, unbelievable. He would add a lot of quality. He he has. I mean, the yeah. knock against the Wobie that I have with him. I mean, he's his underlying numbers are good, and I and I do believe that he'd be a good player in a in a possession heavy team. Um, right. But he, but, he, exactly. but, for, but but for a player that plays at the top end of the field, I just don't think he decides games. And I think that whatever you want to say about Pepe, he has decided games. He has scored important goals. Absolutely, just, just not on yeah. a consistent basis. So from that point alone, I think right. he'd be a massive, a massive, uh, um, uh, you know, addition to our team if we could get him. Um, I think yes. also you say that you know, I mean, it's very easy. It's, it's a bit, it's kind of intellectually lazy to say Pepe is a he's another Awobi. Why? Oh well, he plays for Arsenal. Arsenal want rid of him. He must be the same as it will be. It, it, you know, <laughs> you, you don't have to think about anything there. You just have to. It's a very easy generalization to make, um, right? And you can kind of draw a line under it. And I'll never think about it again. Same with Van der Beek. Oh, Dutch player, played for Ajax. Yeah, go on. He's he's another Davy Klassen. Why? I have no idea. <laughs> but it makes sense <laughs> to some people. So fair, fair play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let, let, let's change tack to outgoing rumors, which a bit of a surprise for Everton, really, right? When we look at our squad. But mm. um, so I, I think there was, there, was, there was two pieces of news. One, uh, minus school one, let's, let's start with that one. So uh, apparently there's a Turkish club, uh, Sivaspor, who are interested in Solomon Randon. Um, uh. Uh, 
<laughs> again, the quickest reaction, and this is why I do love Twitter, is um, let's start a collection fund to get him to the <laughs> airport right away. <laughs> or I'll drive him there is my favorite reaction. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, always, a, it's always a good so one. So the Rondon experiment has not worked out, right? All for all his familiarity with Rafa um, and, you know, all the positive uh, I guess potential qualities we thought he would bring to Everton, we've not seen much of it, right? It's not been an Everton, really. I mean, it's it's yeah. you know. I mean, one second. I mean, Townsend was signed essentially on the basis of the six months that he had with Benitez at Newcastle, right? And that's worked very well. I think obviously Rondon was. I mean. Benitez has pushed for Rondon as a priority, apparently, right. Right, from the, right from the beginning of the transfer window. Um, yeah. Two years of playing very low-level football over in China and Russia. Um, and at the age that he's at, um, it's just not working, is it? I mean, he's played, no. I think, over 500 minutes of Premier League football. And there's, he's, there's not really been... You can't even say he's been unlucky. I mean, I mean, at least no. Josh, Josh King last year. I mean, he was. I mean, I think somebody uh, handled the ball in a game, and he he should have really scored. He came off the bench against. Right. West, I think it might have been West Ham, and somebody handled it, and the referee didn't spot it. Var didn't spot yeah. it. Yeah, off the goal, yeah, off, on off the goal the, line. Yeah, yeah. So he was even even Josh King, who was a, a flop in the limited minutes that he had, should have scored. Rondon, there's been there's there's been no sign of him getting a Not goal. Not even close. He could play. Right. He could play every game until the end of the season, and I don't know. I don't know <laughs> whether he was he so would score. Yeah. So, okay. um, is it is it you know is it time to cut to cut our ties and just abandon the whole thing? Um, I'd say yeah, if you could get somebody to to pick to pick him up. I mean, apparently, I think sure. it's Sivaspor, uh, Turkish team. Sivaspor, right. Yeah, that yeah. have been getting linked with him over the last few days. I mean, I, I just read that uh, their head coach has refuted on Turkish, uh, in Turkish media that they're interested in him, which doesn't necessarily mean that they're not interested in him, of course. Right. But, but it, it, it doesn't look like it's a priority. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, it's, it's no, a Turkish team, so, not, you know... Our previous dealings with Turkish teams, they'll probably put a loan offer in and expect us to pay 75% of his wages. <laughs> and, yeah. and and the fee. We pay them a fee as well. I think that's... <laughs> <laughs> to get him off our book. In, in the crazy world of Turkish football, that's the way things normally seem to work out with, with us. So um, okay. I'm, not, I'm not expecting him to move on, but I'm not expecting him to, yeah. to get a lot of game time you know, from here on in. And maybe in the summer uh, the deal will be will be cancelled or whatever. I think he'll be might be loaned out or something like that. But I think he's going to be a bench warmer now for the next you know until until pretty much until next summer really. Um, yeah. But I, I don't I, I do not think we are going to be selling Rondon. Just like I don't think we're going to be selling Cenk Tosun anytime soon. <laughs> why would doesn't anybody like buy? It, why would anybody buy Tosun? Right? Really? <laughs> I mean, it's not going to happen, is it? I mean, he's, he's had two season-ending injuries. His form was, I mean, has he played more than four good games great. in, in, in yeah. the last three, four years? You know, right. no, nobody's going to buy Tosin. It's not happening. We're not going to sell no. Tosin. 
Yeah, it sounds like Besiktas, his former club, are interested in him. But like you said, we'd probably have to pay them to take him off us. So that, that, we see that's exactly how that one's going to go. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I think there was talk about a couple of million. Uh, they, you know, it's we, we won a couple of million for Tosin. I don't think we're actually after a fee at all. I think that couple of million no. is a share uh, for yeah. Besiktas to, to take over his existing contract until June. Pretty much. And then, exactly. And, yeah. You know, yeah. essentially, or at least the majority of that contract. I mean, that's what the money yeah. exchange is referring to, really. So, well, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. so that's pretty much what we did with Hamas, right? So mm. the, the Qatari club yeah, yeah. pretty much, I think, just took over his contract. We just wanted him off our books. That was it. Yeah. I mean, that, that, the, speaking about Rodriguez again, this kind of reminds me mm-hmm. of um, the Lewis Diaz deal. Now, we, suppo- we yes. were supposed to be offering 25 million for Diaz plus Rodriguez uh, as part of the deal. And the fact that Rodriguez didn't want to take a pay cut was what scotched, scotched the transfer from happening. That deal, uh, right. Yep. Did, did, we have, did we have £25 million? Pounds? We, we don't seem to have any money at all. Where was that £25 yeah. million coming from? <laughs> it's, it it seems like a lot of our summer business was conditional. Um, to me, it sounded like Richarlison could have been on the move, right? In fact, Mm. this week, uh, I think a French outlet came out and said that the whole Kylian Mbappe to Real thing did not end up happening because Everton did not sell Richarlison to PSG to replace Mm. Mbappe. So um, uh, I guess it's nice in a way that Everton can, um, you know, influence the biggest movers and shakers (laughs) in the game, PSG and and Real. But... uh, uh, I think, uh, so again, going forward, right, We and, and this actually segues us perfectly into the next transfer rumor that we heard, right? But we, we, we I think the way things are financially, uh, short of obviously Everton getting some massive sponsorship deals over the summer, uh, we're only going to be able to buy players on condition we sell someone, right? Mm-hmm. And when you look around at that Everton squad, right, there, there's the only players that can command any kind of transfer fee are, you know, Richarlison, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, um, uh, Jordan Pickford, and possibly Yeri Mina, right? So let's let's talk about Pickford because, you know, his name just came up this week. Um, apparently, Antonio Conte is looking to replace the aging Hugo Lloris at, uh, at Spurs. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pickford uh, is 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 a name of interest. Uh, obviously, uh, England number one, uh, you know, national team player, uh, homegrown player, which is uh, obviously always a benefit in in these conversations. So, a I guess let's talk about the viability of the rumor, and then let's dive into how much should Everton ask for Jordan Pickford. Well, I mean, it's it's always difficult to to to, to really evaluate. Um, how likely a rumor, you know, what legs a rumor has. Um, I think there's probably some interest in Pickford from quite a few teams. Um, I mean, his his reputation's probably at at its highest point really at the moment. Um, yeah. Or certainly yeah. since the World Cup, anyway. And probably since that, was, the World Cup, that right. was the high point. But I think it's recovered to that level after maybe a little dip. Um, mm-hmm. he, his national form has always been good. It's his Everton form, which yeah. has been a bit shaky, but it's been pretty stable now, I think, since early, the earlier this year, maybe around February, 
I think it was when he really picked up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I can see there being significant interest from, from Tottenham for sure. Um, in terms of whether we should sell them, as you say, I think if to give Benitez any significant wiggle room in the in the market in the summer, then we need to you know, we have to accept that we're going to sell. We'd have to sell a major asset to fund any improvements in the squad. Um, unless, I mean, I think Richard, I'd, I'd considered Richarlison as the most likely to go in the summer. We had all the rumours of PSG. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. It was the one more year to, with Ancelotti, he promised Ancelotti one more year, and it seems to be one uh-huh. more year with Benitez. Um, I think, it, I mean, his reputation is very high right now, so I, I could see I could see a major offer from somebody on Richarlison. If that doesn't happen, should we sell Pickford? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he's he's a very reliable player, I think, oddly enough. Um, he's a good goalkeeper. I think he's a high-calibre goalkeeper. He wouldn't be easy to replace. But for the money yeah. that would be being talked about, I think he's got several years left on his contract at Everton. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had a good, he's had a perfect age for a goalkeeper, 27. Um, he's right. probably is this is probably his peak point in terms of selling him now. Um, right. yeah, I mean, I would sell him for, for, for a, if we received an offer of say 50 plus million, I think we'd have to mm-hmm. really seriously look at that and think, well, could we replace him with a, with a cheaper alternative, right. maybe a younger player or a player from abroad, um, and then reuse the, the balance. Uh, of the fee to reinvest into much needed areas yeah. of reinforcements in the squad, you know, full back, midfield, centre back, striker, you name it. Basically, we've got holes that we need to fill um, in terms of depth and everything. Yeah, I mean, if he came in with a serious offer, um, mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think we'd have to seriously consider it. And anything north of 50, I mean, I'd, be, I'd be very tempted. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> great point there, right? So let, let, let's talk a little bit about the, that transfer fee again, right? We, we, we got him for 30-odd million. Um, it, it, again, for, uh, for being at the peak of his powers, for being the England number one right now, and probably in, in or around the best form of his life, um, if we were to sell him over the summer, I, I would say, yeah, absolutely. Anything in that 50 million range, we should, you know, have our ears wide open. Yeah, talk to us, right? Because um, now, now we're talking about getting about two or three reasonably cheap players in that 10, 15 million dollar range of uh, 10, 15 million pound range. Sorry, um, for the, what we would get from Pickford. That's absolutely something we should we should be thinking about, right? Um, However, and, and, and so this, this is where, again, there's a little bit of conflict about Jordan Pickford, right? He, 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 he's, he's an, I would say he's an excellent um, reaction save kind of goalkeeper, mm-hmm. right? Um, he's also very good on one-on-one. I, I, I think he, he, he's, he's probably one of the best goalkeepers in the world um, when in a one-on-one situation, um, I think he does a really good job of sort of making himself large, if you will. Uh, I think that's how it's described. Um, where he struggles is his positioning. And often he has to make these reaction saves because he's put himself in a bad position, right? And, and 
you can do that when you are in the best physical form of your life. I think as he grows older, again, he's 27 right now, when he starts hitting that 28 to 930 region, and when now his body's not going to let him make those kinds of reaction saves, I think he's going to get found out. Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, a very polarizing opinion because when you, uh, you know, especially with go- goalies, right? Uh, the, again, I think for uh, a- advanced stats tends to be looked at uh, with a bit of a, what's, what's a good word for it? I'm struggling here, but uh, not everyone is a fan of advanced stats, right? I think a lot of people mm-hmm. prefer the eye test and especially with goalies, if your goalie is having to make a lot of saves, you've got a problem. Whereas I, I think for a very uh, basic viewpoint, if you see a goalie making flashy saves, everyone's like, oh, he's a great goalkeeper. Um, and, and I think it goes a little more than that, right? Um, so, you know, that, I think there's, there's a few stats uh, along the lines of expected goals and expected goals allowed. And it, it, it basically calls goals prevented, right? And, and what it is, is for the quality of shots that the goalie faces, how many of those goals should be saved and how many should are actually saved, right? And when you look at those stats, right? So Chelsea's Mendy, right? Edward Mendy, he leads the league in goals prevented. He's basically prevented 3.4 goals. Uh, what it basically means is that the expected goals of the shots that he faced was 5.4 and he's considered two, conceded two. So he's, he's basically prevented 3.4. When you look at Pickford with that same metric, his goals prevented is negative two. That means the shots that he faced, he was expected to have conceded 11 goals and he's actually conceded 13. Now that comes with a lot of asterisks, right? I think a couple of those, that also includes deflections, which is not the fairest metric. Uh, Hmm. However, I, I don't know what it is about Everton defending, but if there is a deflected shot against us, it <laughs> invariably ends up in the net, right? Every time. It's, it's like ridiculous. It's like, sure, there's got to be a sad about you, that. I think it's that gypsy curse, I think. <laughs> it must be. There is definitely some sort of curse. But, you know, when you look at these, some of these advanced metrics, so Pickford is, believe it or not, 16th among Premier League goalkeepers. That's... That's that's concerning. Now, a a lot of teams in the league nowadays are using advanced stats when they make their purchases. So using that, keeping that in mind, yeah, if if, if Spurs want to come to us with 50 or 60 million pounds for Jordan Pickford, I would say, yes, we should sell. There are a lot of younger options who will probably give us the same quality of goalkeeping um, for much less. And Mm. You know, that, that aside, right, if we really want to get anywhere in the sport, we need to build a team and keep our best players. But that's not where Everton are right now, right? We are in full rebuild mode. Like you said, at the end of this season, we're going to have a bunch of players who we rely on who are all on the wrong side of 20s, actually in their 30s. Alan, key player for us. Dokere, again, key player for us. They're the wrong age. And when you look at the younger players in the squad, we don't have too many of those. So, unfortunately, I think we're going to have to sell some of our most sellable assets, like the Richarlisons, so that we can fund a squad building 
like you know, like you mentioned, much like Arsenal are doing. So I, the 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 pessimist in me sees two more years of of this squad rebuilding before we have a core of players in that 23, 24, 25 range that are going to then take us into the future. Yeah. Um... I mean, I, I, must, I must say, I, I'm a little surprised uh, at those underlying stats on Pickford. Uh, I'd not looked, I'd not looked them up at all. Um, obviously, the eye test mm-hmm. was that he's having, you know, he's been, uh, he's having a good season, and I think that, yeah, that with with Pickford, I think that tends to be, has he been beaten by something really soft? Probably not. Right? Has he shown a, a, a major concentration lapse, which he gets hit with a lot? Which no, right. Not, yeah. not really. Um, so I think the I think the the general idea is that he's 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 having a good season and he played well last year. But those underlying numbers yeah. suggest that maybe maybe there's something we should be looking at there. Um, I mean, I know two years ago, um, I think he was the second worst rated goalkeeper after Kepa at Arsenal in terms yes. of yeah, effectiveness. Exactly. Last season, I think he improved a bit, but I don't think he was. More than mid-table, um, and this season no. that's you know, that is disappointing that he's you know he is conceding more goals than he's expected to concede. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that hopefully Chelsea are not looking at these stats. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Tottenham are not looking at these <laughs> Spurs, stats. Yeah, and they are going to prepare a a massive massive bid on Pickford <laughs> imminently. Um, imminently, which, yeah. Which, which we should be accepting. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think jokes aside. Yeah, I mean, I think he's, I think he's a good goalkeeper, as you say. His attributes, maybe, although the idea is that he's twenty-seven, he's approaching his peak years as a goalkeeper. Goalkeepers, a you know, peak at, at, a, at a later stage than outfield players. Right. Um, but not all goal, as you say, not all goalkeepers are created equal equally. Pickford yeah. is, a, is a reflexes guy. He relies very much on his agility. He doesn't have a massive frame. He doesn't have other areas of his game like dominating the box or anything like that. So, no, you know, it's possible he could decline at a, at a, at a younger age than than all the goalkeepers do. Um, so yeah, I mean, if we get if we get a big a big offer of 50, 60 million in the summer uh, in, in the summer presumably, then we I think we really yeah. should look at it and and see what we could do with that money. Uh, we need, we need Everton really are, and you could argue it's down to probably bad spending of Machiri's investments um, over the last several years. Everton really yeah. are in a position that we need to buy young and sell at peak years for our best players. That, that's yeah. that's the reality, yeah. Yeah. and there's nothing wrong that's with that. That's the reality. Yeah, you know, you have to accept reality um, that we are not yeah. we are not competing at the top end of the table right now. We do not have, you know, limitless funds. If if a, a 24-year-old player like Calvert-Lewin or Richarlison or a 27-year-old goalkeeper like Pickford who are very highly rated, if a big yeah. offer comes in, we have to look at that and think, well, what can we do with this money? Can we reinvest that? Right. Not into 29-year-old players like Lingard or, you know, 32-year-old <laughs> players like Perisic, but in yeah. looking, looking at players who are 20, 21, 22, 23, maybe. Yeah. And, and, and going that route with the idea that those players, at least some of them will develop and in two, three, mm-hmm. four years' time, they will then be sellable assets. 
Absolutely. All right. So, well, uh, that, that brings us to the end of this segment. But uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Kevin. Oh, well, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Great to speak to you. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, so this is Calvin signing out. Thanks, guys. All right, we're back here and talking uh, Brentford and Everton. Thank you, Calvin and Kevin, for uh, giving us a little breakdown of some of the Everton news. And obviously, it's been a crazy time for Everton with um, injuries and you know people stepping down and players signing new contracts and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, it's been a whole mess of news that just keeps coming the one good thing though Bramley Moore looks like it's uh it's moving along which is great but yeah um let's move on now and talk a little bit more about the uh Brentford match coming up um Brentford currently sits as I look at it right now um they currently sit in 14th place um 13 on 13 points through 12 matches of course, Brentford newly promoted from the um, championship last year. Um, they had a great start to the season, but have fallen off a little bit recently. Uh, they lost to uh, Norwich a couple games, actually in a in a straight set. They've lost, let's see, four, four, one, two, three, four, five, or they haven't won in five straight Premier League matches lost four straight before a tie against Newcastle. Um, they've had some, some pretty good performances, uh, namely a 3-3 draw against Liverpool and a 2-1 win over West Ham before this tough run sort of started. Um, but haven't looked as great or as dangerous lately. Um, obviously, losses to Leicester City and Chelsea aren't as bad, but losses to Burnley, 3-1. Norwich City, who won their first match against Brentford, 2-1, and then a tie against Newcastle, 3-3. Not exactly the best results for them, who are relatively healthy, I think, on the most part. Um, just some, as I get back to Brentford FC here, just some you know, little notes on Brentford. Brentford have lost three of, as I mentioned, three of their last four, or actually, excuse me, Brentford have lost three of their last four meetings against that at Everton. Um, just, the, just the one win. Uh, with their first such game, uh, this being their first such game since a 6-1 away loss in the second tier in February 1954. So I would argue that uh, maybe things are a little bit different now. Um, <laughs> this is the first meeting between Brentford and Everton in any competition since September 2010 in a League Cup match, following a 1-1 draw at Griffin Park. The Bees progressed uh, on a 4-3 penalty on 4-3 on penalties that day. Everton have won five of their last six Premier League games in London. Um, the only one they didn't was a loss. As many as they had in their previous 32 visits to the capital uh, in the competition. Um, just 31% of Brentford's Premier League points this season have come in home games. Uh, again, this is a home game as we played at Brentford. Uh, that's the lowest ratio in the competition so far this term. Uh, indeed, the Bees are winless at home since beating Arsenal 2 to nothing on the opening day of the season. Um, and having kept three clean sheets and conceding just two goals, which is 0.4 goals per game, 
uh, in their first five Premier League games. Brentford have conceded uh, in each of their last seven competitions, now 15 in total, and have a 2.1 goals per game conceded um, rate right now. Uh, this Brentford team started out hot, as I mentioned, cooled off a bit now. Team's starting to figure them out a little bit. Um, Let's start with them, I guess. <laughs> There's so much to talk about with Everton that we'll get Brentford out of the way real quick. Um, I haven't watched a ton of Brentford, but I know of a couple players who scare me. What's your opinion on this Brentford team and maybe some players that could hurt Everton? Yeah, I mean, I think they're a very solid team. I, I think similarly to Everton, both teams started off pretty hot this season. I know Brentford had – that big opening win over Arsenal and everyone saw them and they're like, wow, Brentford is, is a very, very solid team. And unfortunately for them, they, you know, haven't really been keeping up with the same success as their win over Arsenal. I mean, uh, I, I still think they're in much better form than, than Everton. Uh, but I, I do think that, you know, like you'd mentioned, they're struggling home form is I guess something Everton and Everton fans can be a little optimistic about yeah. in terms of getting a result tomorrow. Yep. Um, oh, sorry. You can go ahead. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying yes. I agree. Totally. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. That's good then. Um, I feel like in terms of players to watch, I I'm going to butcher his, his name. I believe it's Ivan Tony. Yep. Know if that's, nope, that okay. is correct. Ivan Tony. Yep. <laughs> he scored like, I don't even know how many goals last season in the championship. But he's, I think he scored last season. Wow, okay. I, I, I still think he's trying to find his feet in the Premier League, but I think he's definitely one to look out for. Um, I know he probably scored like 90% of the goals last season. So, And I feel like Everton have never really played well in the past against newly promoted teams. Uh, however, I, I really think that both fans, I feel like Brentford fans would be thinking this is the perfect match to play against Everton to kind of get out of the spell we're in. And I feel like Everton fans are thinking the same. So I think it's going to be a really good game. I, I think it's a big game for those kinds of reasons where both teams aren't in the best form. I feel like both teams have been struggling and think they can do better. Uh, I, I, I think with Everton's injuries versus Brentford's home form, I guess just still being, you know, trying to find their feet. I, I, I think it'll be a pretty, pretty close game. Yeah. Um, and just looking at, at, you know, kind of to answer your question right there about uh, who, uh, how many goals Brentford scored last season. He, I believe scored 31. They did score 79 goals last season in the championship. Um, wow. They were, um, if I'm not mistaken, far and away the best of the bunch uh, finishing up there, and they were finished third in the um, in the Premier League last season. They were seven points above Swansea, who finished fourth, had a thirty-seven goal differential. So, uh, they dominated pretty well last year in the Championship, uh, and rightfully got promoted. Um, but Ivan Tony is is the guy that you would be worried of in terms of scoring and Bumu or Buemo or. Bomo, I, nobody really knows. I was gonna, I, I, I was gonna say his name too. I was gonna say his name too, but I didn't know how to pronounce it, so I just kind of <laughs> didn't say it. Yeah, he is. Um, he's one player who, um, obviously everybody, um, 
he started off really well and everybody was getting a little worried about it. He didn't really finish well too well, but was, was in and around the net so much. And then kind of has fallen back a little bit. Um, I think one of the big misses for Brentford has been their goalkeeper, uh, Raya, David Raya, who is out for, I think five months now. Um, he suffered an injury, I think just before the last international break, um, and won't be back for a while. And, and, and they've suffered with that. They don't really have too many other injuries that really worry you. Their defense is very solid. Um, they mm-hmm. have some solid outside backs. Um, but it mainly comes from those two. It comes from the outside backs, their attacks, and um, those two players in the middle. Uh, I can't think of really anybody who else who has, has made an impact. It does seem like a lot of players are scoring uh, that aren't named Ivan Tony and Embuemo, but Embuemo. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't. I have got no clue. Um, but um, uh, on how to pronounce his name, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it does. It, it does seem like those are the two players that that will end up hurting us. Um, Ivan Tony has great skill and has really been. Well, he hasn't been scoring goals. He's been involved in a lot of the attacking play and and kind of involved has a couple assists here and there. Just hasn't found the back of the net as as consistently as he would have liked to. But I think he's a solid Premier League player and a player that. If Brentford wanted to move on from, I'd certainly like to see on Everton if we lost Dominic Calvert-Lewin, um, or even just as a backup. I think he's a really solid player. Um, yeah. But this Brentford team is, is for one, relatively healthy, and I think that's a big difference between us and and them. Um, they have, you know, basically all their players, and Thomas Frank has really shown he's a really good manager, and and can put together a good strategy and a good game plan against some of these top teams. I mean, the Liverpool match particularly, I mean, how many, I know Liverpool defense, Liverpool's defense has been tough, but how many, you know, teams are holding with them uh, with that quality of player that they have um, still managing a three, three draw. I mean, we'll see if Everton don't have injuries back, we're going to see how well we compare to Brentford against the, you know, against Liverpool next week. But um, on an Everton's perspective, it's going to be impossible to predict that lineup. <laughs> but, you know, Benitez has said, oh, we're hopeful Decore may be available, so-and-so may be available. I'm not asking you to give a predicted lineup <laughs> wondering if any of those players are available. Let's assume nobody's available. Gray isn't available. Let's assume Decore isn't available. Mina isn't available. Dominic Calvert-Lewin isn't available. Gomez isn't available. Allen isn't available. Give me a semblance or a resemblance. What, what do you think this lineup looks like if all the players who are presumed injured and presumed out are actually out for this match? I think that the back four should stay the same. I would believe Anthony Gordon and Alex Awobi will be on the flanks. In terms of the center of the midfield, I, I hope Delph isn't injured. I don't think he is no <laughs> uh, so I'd imagine he I'd imagine he'd be playing playing as one of the center mid roles um I would hope Ducore is back I mean it, it looked like there was plenty of pictures of him in training and if, if Allen is indeed injured I think this could be a great match for Ducore to uh get back into action considering we play Arsenal and Liverpool I believe next two matches after this one 
So I feel like throwing Decor into a match like this, if if he is fit enough, I think would be would be a good match to kind of get him back on his feet. And then I would assume just Townsend, Richarlison up top. Townsend playing that kind of attacking midfielder gray role that he's played a few times this season. Um, I, I don't see too many surprises. I mean, we could see a, a substitute appearance from, again, we're going to have to learn his last name, Onyango. Do you know how to pronounce it? Onyango. I think it's Tyler Onyango. Okay, okay, okay. Well, that's, that's news to me. Thank you. Uh, we might <laughs> see an appearance from him. Um, I hope we don't see an appearance from Rondon. I, I don't know. I, it, it's, it's so tough. I, I, I think that the definite shoe-ins are Gordon and Awobi out wide. Defense the same. Center mids, a question mark. And then I, I would hope Townsend or Charleston up top in some yeah. form. Yeah, I mean, I know it's hard, and, and I told you beforehand we wouldn't really have to make predictions, but I figure we probably <laughs> should try and assume that nobody is available. Um, if nobody's available, like you said, the back line is going to stay the same. The back line cannot change. Um, that is literally no options there. From <laughs> midfield, midfield perspective, I believe Delph is okay. So Delph will start. I, I don't even know if Gabamon is healthy or not. I never know. So I, 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 I forgot about Gabamon, to be fair. So I'm going to assume that he's healthy, and I would assume that if he's healthy, he will play in that role that Allen typically plays in. Um, I would – Hope that we don't see Rondon, but I fear that we might see Rondon if Gray is out and put Gordon on one side, Richarlison on the other side, Townsend in the middle, and and Richarlison or and uh, Rondon up top. We could see Gordon on the left side, Townsend on the right side, and a Richarlison Rondon mix, which would be interesting. We haven't seen that yet this season. Um, but I think Brentford plays your very typical, very normal, very old school four four two, and I wouldn't hate to see Everton. If you go five in the middle, however they're going to do it with whatever players they're going to do it, um, that does win the midfield battle. If that's the case, if they go four four two, that would give you the extra man in the midfield. Um, if you match their four four two and you go with Richarlison and Rondon up top. That also wouldn't be terrible either. You're not losing the midfield battle. You do have Delph and then a pretty big enforcer in, in Gibbamon in the middle. And, you know, Delph has played really well. And, and I, you know, I would like to think that Gibbamon, if he could somehow return to his normal self, uh, has some, you know, sort of passing ability that might be able to move the ball along. Um, but it's going to be tough for Rafa Benitez. It, well, actually, it might not be that tough for Rafa Benitez to put any names on the, on the team sheet this week because there really really aren't that many people available. <laughs> um, yep. So, and Brentford's really not much of a mystery from a tactical perspective. They don't really change mm-hmm. too much. I think they yep. may switch to a four-five-one possibly sometimes, but mainly mm-hmm. I think a four-four-two with Enwemo and um, Tony up top. So, yeah. um, they're pretty much an open book in that perspective. Um, what do Everton have to do? And let's presume again that everybody is out. How do you beat this, this Brentford team? How do you score goals and and manage to somehow get a win out of this one? A game that we desperately, desperately probably need a win in. Yeah. I mean, I know that Brentford, they usually do like to stack their defense back a lot. So I feel like it'll be tough to, 
it'll be tough to really get too many crosses and whatnot into the box. I, I feel like it'll be a game where we should have most of the possession, fingers crossed. And I, I feel like a lot of it will just be kind of finding finding those spaces in the attacking third. Yep. Because like I said, I feel like they are they are kind of like a Burnley side where they just kind of play like seven at the back whenever they're they're in their own half. And yeah. I, I feel like I feel like it, it won't be as easy as just Digne swinging it into Rondon, who will inevitably just miss jump the header. I, I I think I think a lot of it will be, like I said, finding those spaces, you know, getting those chances outside the box. Hopefully, a lucky free kick or two. But um, yeah, I I think it'll be a, a lot of uh, Brentford just kind of sitting back, like I said, fingers crossed, and uh, hopefully Everton can kind of find find those spaces. Yeah, it um, it's definitely going to be difficult, like you said. Brentford do like to kind of do that, sit back, hit you on the counter. I, I think their attacking pieces are going to cause us some problems. I don't, you know, Ivan Tony's a big dude. He is, yeah. I think, six one. He's not, he's not small. He's got some muscle on him. So, it, you know, defending set pieces is going to be at the center of all of. Defending all that is going to be the center of all of our success. That's going to be important on the defensive side. Um, If you can do that, I think largely we'll be able to defensively control them from an attacking perspective. One of the things I hate about Townsend playing in the middle um, and why I think that if Damari Gray is available, they should be swapped. I think Damari Mm -hmm. Gray in the middle, giving him that free-flowing, moving from side to side, kind of letting him pick his spots, he works really well in that role. Townsend's role is is very much he is very much uh, you know an outside midfielder or a winger. Mm -hmm. His crossing ability is unbelievable. And granted, listen, you know, I said at the beginning of the season, and I you know I I know you do, and I play the fantasy Premier League as well. (laughs) Nobody was really talking about the Everton team because obviously you know it's not that much quality and maybe not that much um, you know fantasy perspective and fantasy quality there but Andros Townsend feeding in balls to Dominic Calvert-Lewin is a tasty perspective I like oh yeah um and we only got three games of that and they were still Mm -hmm. trying to find their groove together so I can't wait till he comes back (laughs) Dominic Calvert-Lewin and we can start seeing that a little bit because Dominic Calvert-Lewin will get on the end of some of these balls that Townsend's been putting in that other players haven't been able to get into or get onto but um, he's just better suited on the on the wing or on the outside, uh, crossing mm-hmm. those balls in and cutting into the inside and and, and firing a shot in on net. Um, yep. That's where Townsend's be- best works, and and I do like Townsend. I think his work rate's really good too. So playing that center attacking midi role kind of takes him out of that, um, you know, defensive perspective on the outside of the wings. And mm-hmm. um, but you know, I, I think. Definitely set piece is going to be extremely important. Um, and then just the midfield. Some, If we can win the midfield battle, whether it's being you know equal in numbers with the two or if we have the extra man in the midfield, um, we've shown that if we don't have the extra man in the midfield and we are lacking in numbers in the midfield, that we are very, very poor without the certain players that we're missing. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Hopefully Rafa goes. I, I would kind of hope Rafa goes three in the mid or three in that center midfield, five in the midfield total, just to you know get that extra advantage there. 
Uh, and I think that the ball is going to have to be played through the midfield. And um, I think you're going to have to, you know, get some runs from whoever Gordon's going to have to carry the ball forward a lot and, and kind of create stuff and get into that attacking half. Um, and Richarlison has to be a factor in this one. Has yeah. to. You cannot have what happened last game. He was getting frustrated. That's why he got a yellow card. And honestly, yeah. when he gets frustrated, it could be actually wait. I don't think anybody's mentioned this, at least in our group chat, but I think Richarlison suspended for this match. They said on the broadcast last week that his yellow card got him suspended for a match. Now I would, you mention it. <laughs> and I was trying to think of this, and oh. I was trying to remember why I thought Richarlison was going to be out and we would need to play Rondon, and I think that's the case. So that changes everything. I'm very worried about this game. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say very worried now. I feel uh, like I feel like at that point I was falling asleep, so I don't really remember. Um, but I believe that that, that is the situation, um, which I don't. But nobody's mentioned it because Patty Boylan, I don't think, really has mentioned it. I don't yeah. have seen any the Everton reporters, so maybe the broadcast got it wrong. We'll have to check that up because I do remember hearing it on the broadcast. Um, mm which was very worrying to me because I was about to throw my phone at the TV for him being frustrated <laughs> and getting a yellow card. But if he does play, that he's going to have to be a factor in this match. There's no two ways about it. He's going to have to impose his will on this Brentford defense. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, he's, he's going to be out. Okay, there you go. Richarlison is suspended for this match. So it's going to have to be Rondon up top. Oh. If it's Rondon up top... I hope DeMar Gray's healthy and I hope that he can play the midfield, that center attacking midfield role, because I don't want to see Townsend there. Um, yeah. I infinite, got infinitely more worried about this game. Just remember. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I, I, I was, I was kind of, I was kind of wishing you didn't mention it just so I would have more hope and yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I'm glad you did at the same time. Mark perspective. Good catch by us. Um, <laughs> Yes, no, that, that was that, that was very good. That, that was a very that, good light bulb moment there. Yeah, yeah, that was a good light bulb. Moment. <laughs> um, oh God, um, I mean, I'm not like why even watch this game tomorrow? I mean, we're literally gonna have no players. I'm really fucked about this. Um, all right, well, that's basically it. I, I, my attacking, all my plans on the attack were, you know, <laughs> they're all gone. I would say that Rondon, my my attacking thoughts, how Everton win this game, Rondon do anything but look like a statue in this game. And I think it'd be okay. Yep. Um, But again, it's it's very hard to predict a lot of this stuff just because we don't know who's available and whatnot. But let's wrap this up. Let's let's do predictions. Uh, We've kind of been all over the place, but let's kind of wrap it up and kind of tie a bow on it. Your thoughts on how this game will go and, and, you know, kind of the score. I feel like every time I've been on here before, I've always predicted an Everton win, and I think 90% of the time, Everton has ended up losing. So I will try to reverse the curse. I think with the injuries we have, if if Gray's not available, if Rondon's starting up top, I think Everton might lose two to one. If, if I'm being optimistic, like if we need an optimistic answer, I'll say two, two, but <laughs> my gut is telling me that I, I just don't see us getting it done. I mean, if there's any motivation for the players, considering we do have two 
tough test against Liverpool and Arsenal, I believe it is, the next two matches. Yeah. I would hope they can fight to get a result here. But, I mean, with Richarlison out, if, if Gray's out, I don't, I don't really see it happening. I mean, I, 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 think, I think Brentford has been in just much better form. And yep. even though their home form isn't the best, I still feel like they've had a decent past string of results and, and they can score goals. I mean, I, I think they just drew to Newcastle 3-3 their last yeah. match. Yeah. And, you know, three goals I, I just – Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just don't – I don't see Everton scoring more than a goal. I, I think we'd be lucky to score more than a goal. And I, I feel like just with the current – Current injuries and just lack of results. I I, I think, unfortunately, I I, I think Brentford's going to get a two-one win here. Yeah, I, I um, I agree. Everton is not scoring one more than one goal if the injuries are the injuries we have. Um, you know, we definitely know where Charleston's out, and the thought that Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Decore, Mina, Gomez, whoever of those four is available or may be available, will even start, I think, is being a little naive. Um, mm. I think that that's, you know, I think if there is any possibility that any of them are available, they will start on the bench. Um, so I can't see Everton scoring more than one goal um, in this one with the quality of player that we have left in the lineup that we, we have at our disposal. Um, I'm going to be a little optimistic and say that it's going to end one, one, because I think Brentford have been pretty poor. And I think defensively we were as solid as you could be against Man City with the quality of player that we had available. Um, so, um, I'm going to, you know, have a little belief and say one, one, but I do not think that with the players Everton have at their disposal, there is going to be a win here. I think Everton fans, need to kind of uh, buckle in and get set for what could be a tough stretch. Um, what hopefully we'll see some players return and maybe not be a tough stretch, but this match is not going to be pretty. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun. There will be nothing fun about this for any of us. Um, but when is it ever fun? Um, so uh, it's, it's going to be, you know, you're probably going to want to gouge your eyes out at halftime. <laughs> Uh, but hopefully everything can get a result. Uh, Pat, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking with us. Yeah, of course. Thank you as always for having me. That was fun. Of course, of course. Um, to Kevin and, and Calvin, thank you for bringing us the Everton News. Um, to you guys out there, thank you for listening and continuing to listen. I know we've had some problems over the last couple of weeks in getting some podcasts out. But um, thank you guys for continuing to listen and, and listen to our insight, despite the fact that Everton have been pretty poor. Uh, we appreciate the support. Uh, just keep following, subscribing, liking, um, downloading those episodes, however you got to do it. Um, you know, give us a, you know, a review on however you listen. Uh, that does help the algorithm and getting us a little bit more noticed. Um, and uh, we will uh, we'll leave you, we'll leave it at that. And we'll talk to you guys next week.